Hello and welcome. Uh, just a quick word of warning for you. We recorded this podcast whilst Newcastle were playing in the FA Cup fourth round replay. And as a consequence, I had this on in the background and once or twice a little swear may have left my mouth um, and some general excitement and jollity occurred. So I apologise for any bad languages, only once or twice. Um, and just to pre-warn you every now and then, there is a, a slightly loud scream cele- in celebration or moan in despair. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the pod. Hi, I'm Bjorn Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Singer Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to my three podcasts. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello, Ruth. Hello. Uh, where are you today? No longer on my sofa. What a relief. No, lo- no longer. Thank you. <laughs> um, I am back in Silver Falls, Oregon, back volunteering at the State Park. Um, we are going to do a podcast today on the strikers who may or may not be making it to the Euros uh, in the Wales squad, see who Giggs picks, who we think Giggs might pick, who we would pick, how many we would take. We're also going to talk about the players who have had maybe too much game time, not enough game time, and how we think that will affect things. And we're also going to talk a little bit um, about the transfer deadline day moves and some injuries to some of our Wales women's players as well. Um, We will start, Ruth, um, with the lack of game time conversation. Okay. Um, this came up because someone on Twitter asked me on the weekend about the Aaron Ramsey situation and how much game time he's actually getting uh, at UV. I did a little bit of research and noticed that the only two full 90-minute matches he has played this season have been... Uh, sorry, he's only played 90 minutes once this season, and that was for Wales against Hungary. So it did kind of make me look into this and do a little bit of research. And I then got completely carried away with the situation and done, frankly, probably too much uh, research on this situation. First off, uh, just to stick with Ramsey, he has been involved in 18 of a potential 31 games um, for Juve this season. And roughly on average, plays about 42 minutes per game that he is involved in. Um, as, you, as I say, I've done far too much research. So it's, it's interesting, though, because I, he hasn't played, he hasn't come off the bench for Juve for a little bit now, for a couple of weeks. And I know he's had a few knocks and stuff to recover from, but it did kind of make me think, how concerned are we about this? How concerned are you about this? Well, initially, I think, until until like you, I did, I did a little bit of number crunching on this. Um, I was alarmed because I think he tends to be, um, he tends to end up with the odd knock during the season. So if you t- if he's losing those games for the odd knock and then he's not particularly being played when he is healthy, then suddenly it can amount to he's missed quite a bit of game time. Um, but as you say, he's played 18 of, actually sort of 18 of 24 games if you look at the ones that he missed due to injury. So he's actually involved in some way in three quarters of the games that he could have been. Yeah. And and admittedly that's often he's often subbed on, he's often subbed off as you say he's not playing 90 minutes certainly. But I think I'm starting to look at it more as an advantage to us ironically. I think if he's if you, they know they've got a player who does have a propensity for knocks, particular muscle injuries, then I think I'm more inclined to look at this as him being well-managed, actually, as opposed to underworked. I know what you're saying. And, and, and before I started to do the research, I, I was kind of undecided because I've tried to watch a few Juve games sorry, of late just to kind of see what the situation is. And there's some opportunities for him to play that really they could have been taking and, and they haven't. Like they were a couple up on the weekend against Fiorentina and he didn't come on at all. Um, and they did rotate in his position as well. So it did kind of make me think. The thing with Ramsey is, I think he is someone who can come into the team and make a difference 
whether he's been playing or not at club level. I think he's that sort of player. However, like to move along and look at someone like Gareth Bale, we saw at the, you know, at the start of this campaign when he wasn't playing, that really was having a negative effect on everything that was happening on the pitch for him. We, like, we remember that goal, uh, golden opportunity against Hungary, for example, that he missed. So it is interesting in the Ramsey case that I kind of would, like you say, would kind of happily see him well-managed in that sense. And I don't think that's what they're doing. I don't think they are managing him well. I just think he's not playing. But, I think I would rather see that for our perspective and get him some game time, obviously, closer to the Euros. Whereas Bale, on the other hand, oh, Oxford have just scored an absolute worldie of a free kick. Um, <laughs> sorry, the FA Cup replays on in the background. Um, yeah, I would much rather, I'm, I'd, I'd be more concerned about the Bale situation, for example, than I would about the Ramsey situation in the short term, anyway. Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with that. Um, I think Aaron definitely. I don't know. I think perhaps because he's in a different place, sort of psychologically, with the relationship he has with his club. But he's always been able to step up when necessary for Wales, regardless of what's been happening at club level. No, that is Whereas true. Gareth, Gareth tends to carry the baggage from what's happening at club level with him, and I think part of that is it's just it's just crapper what he's dealing with yeah um and so um I, you know i don't think that's a, a slight on either of them particularly i just think aaron um has just just manages to kind of slot into that role and has a very obvious purpose and job with wales as well and, and we've started using him more consistently Whereas Gareth, I think, has been swapped and changed around a little bit in his role too. So perhaps has come into the squad unsettled from that angle as well. No, I, I get that. I mean, it is the whole Real Madrid situation is obviously a complicated one um, for him. Um, I mean, looking at him, he's he's played in 15 of the 32 possible games this season. I appreciate some of that is down to injury. But the games he has been playing, he's played an average of 66 minutes. So mm-hmm. I, I do still, I am a bit concerned, obviously, about his kind of form and how that will affect him um, as we get up to the Euros. Because like we said last time, that definitely did have an impact on him. Looking through the squad, though, it kind of interested me then when I started doing this minutes per game and all this other nonsense, um, how many other people kind of the the game time they're getting. And and Hugh Davis on Twitter asked to kind of pose the question, um, how much you know? How much of a concern is it? Not just your Ramses and your Bales, but kind of for the wider squad, because obviously we're aware that in our goalkeeping situation, for example, Wayne Hennessy isn't playing much, um, if at all. He's only played four times this year, twice in the Premier League and twice in cup competitions. Um, obviously, Danny Ward is is fairly similar figures without the the games in the Premier League, so it is a worry kind of across the squad. So I did kind of take a look, and it was actually kind of interesting reading for different reasons. So looking at what I would say would be our starting 11, which is Hennessy, Connor Roberts, Mepham Rodden at the back, Ben Davis left back, Alan Ampadu, Ramsey Bale, James and Moore, which widely speaking, assuming everyone's fit, um, is probably our starting squad. I've done it for a few kind of notable subs as well, just out of interest for a further comparison of Gunter, Ash, Wilson, Doidge and Morell. Um, and I've done Deutsch because we're going to come on to him and the whole striker situation later. But I was actually quite surprised by some of the numbers, and it actually made me feel a lot better about the situation, as you alluded to earlier. The big worries would be Ben Davis, but he, obviously he's been injured. But the games he has played in this year, he's played on average 70 minutes a game. So that's actually not as bad as I kind of feared. In the same way, the Danny Rose left Spurs on loan, so that kind of solidifies, I would say, um, Ben's position as the kind of regular left back when he returns, um, and he's back training with them today. I was I was reading, or at least with the squad again after returning from Qatar. So that's a good step. Yeah, I, I saw that he was back in training today. Um, it was interesting then looking through it because Joe Allen, on average, plays eighty-five minutes a game, which which sounds about right. Connor Roberts is an interesting one actually because 
he went through a spell where he kind of dropped out and people were asking the question about him being in or out of the starting team. But actually, he's played 27 of a possible 34 games this year or on average 75 minutes, basically, per game that he has been involved in. So in actual fact, I don't think the situation is necessarily as bad as it would seem. When you look at Mepham, I know he's got a knock as well, but he plays on average 83 minutes a game. He's played half of Bournemouth's games in all competitions, roughly speaking. Um, the only one that kind of concerned me a little bit, obviously, is is Bale. But then at the other end of the spectrum, there's obviously Dan James, who's been involved in 32 of Manchester United's 39 games this season. Um, we were actually talking about, you know, they started as being people being underused. Is there a chance that he is obviously being overused? Yeah, this was an interesting exercise when I was looking at it. I think my fears for overuse um, are Joe Allen and and Dan James for slightly different reasons. Stoke are obviously teetering down there at the bottom of the championship. They're going to flog everything they can get out of Joe for the remainder of the of the season. And it's not like he is ever a passenger in a game. I mean, you get your 90 minutes out of Joe Allen. Yeah, you get your money's worth. Um, so um, I, he, I, wor- I worry, is going to be flogged uh, harshly. James, I think, is a, is a slightly different one in that really I think when he went to United, we were all expecting this to be more of a developmental year for him. I don't think any of us saw him playing in that kind of proportion of games. Um, he's only not been in the squad for, for four of them. Um, and also they're moving his position quite a lot. I mean, he's played both wings. You could even make a case that in a couple of games, he's almost been second striker. Um, and also, um, when you look at what happened with Rashford, you've got to have concerns about the actual like wear and tear and medical care that they're getting up at Old Trafford. And so my, my concern with James would, would just be the, the, the kind of level of wear and tear he's taking at a, a point in, in his career that should be more developmental. No, I agree. And, and I think there's definitely an argument that can be made that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's sole focus is on not losing his job at the minute rather than kind of caring about the welfare of his players. And that's certainly uh, clear in what has happened with Rashford, for example. Um, and I would argue similar for, for Dan James as well. Yeah. Going back to talking about the back four, because you went across that line, and as you said, if we assume it's Roberts and Rodden and Mepham and, and Davies, um, Rodden obviously is just back from his um, ankle injury and I think played his first full game at the weekend against Preston North End. Um, so I think we have to just be careful that he's sort of managed back and, and, and again, is not overworked in what is a heavy league um saturday tuesday but i think you know that that's just one to keep an eye on sorry can Um, i just jump in on rod in a sec there yeah um i just want to jump in only because i said uh on twitter not long ago um that we had a little story that was gonna unfold about joe rodden um and i'm obviously not going to reveal my source but um i was very reliably informed that joe rodden had signed a deal with Leicester and then obviously he had the issues with his ankle and and, and everything else and as a consequence fairly late in the window Leicester pulled out uh, and haven't kind of really signed anything else to say this is a deal which we will do again in the summer so that kind of rang an alarm bell in my head because I'm not sure if they've done a kind of follow-up medical before confirming the fixture the transfer sorry and have pulled out of the deal as a consequence um, and if that is the case, then it does kind of allude to, and again, I'm massively putting two and two together here, but that kind of alludes to that there is perhaps a wider or a bigger problem with his ankle longer term that they're not willing to kind of risk the money on, um, which does kind of worry me a little bit. But again, I mean, I'm, I'm basing that on not a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But even so, I do think looking further forward, the fact that Rodden is someone who is interested in a, pre- a successful Premier League club and hopefully someone who could kind of impact them moving forward is obviously a, a, a big, big plus for Wales and Wales football. Yeah. Um, assuming that he would be partnered with Mepham, obviously he's 
got that knee injury now that he picked up in the in the third round FA oh, Cup game. Oh, I don't game. believe it. Oxford are equalised at the actual <laughs> death. <laughs> oh, this is this is. I knew we shouldn't have tried to do a podcast while there was games going on. I mean, I know we try not to swear and stuff on here, but for fuck's sake, we're 2-0 up with five king minutes to go. Can this shower of shit not sort their lives out just for once in my miserable existence of supporting a stupid football club? Oh, Almiron's gone off with a knock. Bloody yep. Jolinton has gone off injured. So now we're... I don't know. I don't even know the rules. Are we going you, penalties? Have you, have you, no, uh, I think it's I think it's extra time first. It's fair play to the lad who scored the goal. I don't know whether I'll edit this out. Actually, I'm sure it might be amusing to other <laughs> listeners. But fair play to the lad who scored the goal. This is an absolute beauty, the equaliser. Um, and I'm uh, yeah. If this does go to penalties, I don't know what's I don't know how we're going to deal with this. Uh, sorry, I have I wasn't listening because of what was happening. I, I was not listening in any way to what you just said. <laughs> Uh, elsewhere, by the way, Josh Murphy has just scored a 93rd minute goal in extra time um, for Cardiff City as they are now 3-2 yeah. up. Anyway, sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> um, right, so you've been talking about Rodden, so I was talking about his, what we presume will be his partner, so Chris Meppham. Yes, yeah, sorry. Obviously has now got this knee injury. Um He'd had an up and down season thus far, but had been playing consistently during December until that third round FA Cup game where he got injured. So again, that's one that's, you know, that's just hanging. We don't really know what the situation is there. And of course, Davies looks like he's coming back into training. So I'm actually less worried about the playing time for those four than I thought I was going to be on but equally half of them are actually technically out injured at the minute so you know make them I was, was going to say it's, it, we're very much <laughs> up and down with this one I, I mean obviously the big one is Ampadu on average he's made he's played five games he's played on average 32 minutes a game that he's been involved in he's not moved on from Leipzig he's still there I mean I would worry about how much playing time he's going to get. I thought it was interesting that Chelsea had didn't have a recall clause in their agreement with Leipzig. They they weren't able to bring him back at January, even if that's what they'd wanted to do. I know there was talk of him going to um, Bristol at one point, but Chelsea couldn't actually have pulled him back from the Bundesliga. It would have had to have been with the agreement of Leipzig. Uh, so I think that's... Uh, that's an oversight on their part, and it's rather left him stagnating there, hasn't it? Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they thought he was going to get more game time, which is why mm. they didn't put that that deal in in place. The one thing I will say though is is that in Andy Morell, not Andy Morell, Joe Morell, um, <laughs> that he has played twenty eight games of a possible thirty one this season, playing pretty much ninety minutes for every one of those yeah. twenty eight games. So I will counter the Ampadu argument with Morel, who has, without question, had a positive impact, um, is playing regularly, is playing well. So if we have to replace Ampadu, which would be less than ideal, Morel is playing regularly, and that is obviously a great thing. And one more thing with Ampadu is that, I mean, I haven't done the maths on this one, but I'm sure we've both said it before, he's almost certainly played more for Wales than he has for any of his clubs. And it never seems to affect him, particularly in a Wales shirt. And I do think that Giggs manages him pretty well in that he gives him 60 minutes and brings him off. Like he seems to have a genuine kind of care for his well-being as well. And I think that is something that means he's more kind of committed and everything to Wales because he knows we're looking after him, if that makes sense. So I, I do think we can, there is kind of spin on on all of these things and like I said when I started doing this I was kind of really worried about a lot of things but you actually look at the stats and the reality of the situation I actually really don't think there's as much to worry about as, as people are making out with the exception of the goalkeeping position um just to move on a little bit from that and but just, I, d I don't think it would matter if Hennessy didn't play another game or season to be honest Dave I think he'd still be our starting goalkeeper I, th I think that's kind of I think that's a fair comment and I think it's true 
it still doesn't mean it's a worry, not a worry. Sorry, I'm, mm-hmm. I am concerned about that. Um, this uh, is, is a question that's been brought for us by Football Gaz on Twitter. And we are going to do a, like a, a longer pod on kind of all the positions and potential people will go to the Euros. And we're not doing goalkeepers today. But he has raised the point that with the lack of game time for our keepers, does this present a chance for someone like an Owen Evans or a Tom King to be called up a second or third choice? And I am also going to add, and I say this most weeks, we talk about goalkeepers, Owen Vaughan Williams in as well, um, who I will say did a slightly odd, uh, what I thought was an odd move. He was playing fairly regularly in the SPL and he's moved down to the to the championship from Hamilton Academicals to Dunfermline. Um they are fourth in the league, I guess, so maybe he's kind of looking at them whether they could be a potential team to to move to move up the line, um, up the league. Sorry, well, how? What do you think about that? And it, which do you think? Well, who do you think might go as a third choice keeper or even the second choice keeper, and and someone like Ward miss out entirely? I would go with Owen Evans at the minute. Um, I think we actually brought him up in the in the last pod, didn't we? In terms of an uncapped player that might make the squad. Um, I I think we're still looking at Hennessy and Ward plus one. Um, and at the moment, he's probably, other than Owen Vaughan, is, is probably getting the most regular playing time at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, he's League One, being out with two clubs there. So that's that's where I'd sort of tip my hat at the minute. Um, I, I personally would take Owen Vaughan just because of the experience element of things, um, and he has—he's pretty much the only one who's been kind of playing regular football, full stop, um, over the last few years, in in terms of you know beyond Wayne Hennessy. Um, I, I would be intrigued to know your opinion on whether you think—I I mean, I, I think he almost certainly will go, but I wonder if. Danny Ward might be kind of worried about his position in the squad. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he he has to, but equally, I'm not sure that Giggs is worried because consistently during the qualifiers, he was choosing three goalkeepers, none of whom were playing. So it doesn't seem to be something he's concerned about when it relates to the goalkeepers. No, that's very true. I, I, I mean, I would personally be concerned about that, but like you say... Giggs has kind of stuck with it and it has generally speaking worked out I mean I know in the Azerbaijan game Hennessy had that kind of blunder a little bit for the for the goal for them but it kind of worked out in the end so I'm not too concerned and he was obviously magnificent against Hungary um, mm-hmm. with that double save he had to make as well so um, I, generally speaking I agree with you but personally I would take I mean personally I would take Owen Vaughan as, as, as the third choice but I would also say that I think he, it has to be one of those three for the third choice, really, just considering um, how regularly people are playing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, in summary, then we're kind of happy with actually how many how many players are playing and how often they are. I agree with you about the 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 burnout potential for Dan James, but equally, I do also think that there's enough kind of competition for places that if he is out of form by then, I wouldn't be concerned, presuming, for example, Brooks is fit, that he comes back in, or um, Harry Wilson kind of could play regularly as well uh, in, in a wide position. So it's if there's a problem with someone being overplayed, like Dan James, I do think it is in an, in an area that we can kind of recover from fairly well, if that makes sense. Cardiff have just gone 3-2 up. I told you that about five minutes ago. Did you? Yeah. I got I lost that in amongst the Newcastle rant, rant. probably. <laughs> Unfortunately, all of a sudden we have gone to Jelly and Oxford are absolutely dominating and they've just be- almost missed an open goal. Um basically missed an open goal. Um anyway, fun times. <laughs> the, the the joy of Newcastle United never ends. Big Allen St. Maximin. Oh, he's just had a good go. Anyway, um the second part of our pod and the kind of the meat on the bone, if you like, <laughs> um, is the conversation about strikers. There's been so much back and forth on Twitter. I did a blog uh, not long ago about this. And even since then, I think my opinion has changed. I, I, I know we discussed this briefly, so I don't know if your opinion has kind of changed a little bit as well. Um, but the main questions are, 
how many strikers would we take to the Euros? And who are they? <laughs> so I'm going to let you go first, Ruth. First off, how many strikers would you take? Okay, so I'm not going to count Bale in this. So then my quandary is, do I take two dedicated strikers or three dedicated strikers? Um, I think we have to take three Although, obviously, that's going to have consequences elsewhere. I think we have to take three because, obviously, Kiefer Moore is kind of... He's, he's changed our whole approach, having, having him there. I think, I think he's on the plane. 100%. Um, and then, if that's how we want to structure our play, you have to have a just-in-case reserve Kiefer Moore type player because the last thing you need is you know him to pull something 20 minutes into the first game and suddenly you're back at square one yeah the game plan's very different yeah but I think we also need some notional plan b with a slightly different type of forward player um, and so you end up at th- I, I end up at three I end up at, with more a replacement more and an alternative. Right, okay. So I'm glad this has happened because I agree with you. Obviously, Bale is on the plane, whether you count him as a striker or not. Yeah. Um, Bale's on the plane. So he would be, in my mind, one of the four strikers. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's on the plane. So I agree with you. Moore is also on the plane. And then we are at a, we need a like-for-like replacement. And in my opinion, I think we need to have someone who can change the game as and when. So... Who do you think would be your key for more replacement? I think at the at the moment it's a choice between Sam Vokes and Christian Deutsch. Um, obviously, Deutsch is making a quite a case to certainly be in consideration up at Hibernian. You know, he's scoring uh, half a goal for every other game he's playing. Um, his his strengths are very similar to to Moore's, you know, those kind of aerial combative duels, flick-ons, holding things up, short passes. They both, they, you know, they play in a similar way. Um, Sam Vokes is coming a little bit more into form. He's not, you know, he's only scored five goals over the season, but they've been you know, more happening more recently. So he's potentially on a bit of a, an upturn. Um, I think right now, if the, if the plane was leaving tomorrow, I'd be going with Sam Vokes just because of his level of involvement with, with the squad. But obviously we're on a different timeline for that. And so I think a great deal depends on what happens in, in March. It's a really interesting one. I, I think the replacement for, for more role and who would that person be um because looking at it you're right he has scored five goals this season three in the championship and two in the efl cup and you're right relatively speaking of he's scored his three goals he didn't score any this season up until december so it in the league anyway, so in terms of kind of an upturn of form, that has certainly happened. The, the, the two cup goals came against Leeds and Crawley um, in the early rounds of the FL Cup in August and September. So I, I know what you're saying in, the, in the, the fact that he's kind of warmed up in inverted commas goals-wise, but I certainly wouldn't call him hot. Um, no. <laughs> and I would also kind of respond to that in a little bit of... It's also not because he's not playing. Mm. Like looking at his kind of game time recently, and I know some of them are coming on as sub appearances and or yes. subbed off. But let's say looking at from when he scored his first goal of the season, which was in December, he has played a f- or has started a game one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so only three times he hasn't. Once he started on the bench and didn't come off. The other two times he has come on as a sub. Um, so he is getting a lot of good game time at the moment. 
and isn't scoring. And to add to that, this season he's got two assists. So if you want someone to be your key for more replacement, you need that person to be, if they're not scoring goals, they need to be contributing. And I don't watch Stoke, I, 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 hands, hands up. But looking at it statistically, at least, he doesn't appear to be contributing a massive amount. And again, I know they're a struggling team and everything else, but I, I'm, I'm really worried about him. I mean, it's not giving me sleepless nights, but <laughs> I am concerned about him. And we're kind of in this weird conversation then about who should we take, who shouldn't we take. But equally, is it based on loyalty as much as it is what they're kind of capable of doing? Because if you look at it, it's kind of on, on, the, on the bare face of it. Doy just got 15 goals in all competitions this season. He also scored 15 goals in uh, all competitions last season. Admittedly, that was at League Two level, but and uh, once in the Championship for Bolton. But he's, he's all of the other goals he scored. Obviously, all of his goals this season are for Hibs. So he is playing at uh, you know at what is definitely a, a decent standard. He's also contributed of all the people on this list: Vokes, Roberts, Bradshaw, uh, Superhal. Bale, he has contributed more assists than any of those as well. So we're getting to a point, and I know he hasn't played, and that's the big thing. But we're getting to a point where no one would have kind of put their hand up and said, I want Kiefer Moore of Wigan to be the person who changes our qualifying campaign and gets Wales to the Euros. No one would have picked that. But we did, and it worked. And, I, and, and as a consequence, I'm, I'm just leaning to think, why not Deutsch? Like, it, I, I just don't see why. I don't see why he doesn't at least deserve a chance. Uh, in uh, you know, I'm sure he'll get a call up in March, but I don't know why he wouldn't deserve a chance to be on that plane. And in my mind, probably be the first name after Kiefer Moore in the striking department, just on what he's contributing as a as a goal scorer, as as, as a striker. Uh, and someone who can possibly change the game. I don't disagree with that. I think the key is that he's got to be involved in March. But I do think it is... um, I do think it is difficult to base the decision just on who's scoring more goals when Kiefer Moore is scoring hardly any. We're taking him because of the style of play rather than actually the fact that he's in form as a striker and is hitting the back of the net with any regularity. So I think it would be important to look at both Vokes and Deutsch's play in the sense of how we are using Kiefer Moore. We're not particularly using him as a goal scorer, although obviously he scored for us, but it's it's more the um, the the way that he can occupy the central defenders. It's the, more the way he can hold the ball up. You know, you've got options for very standard kind of on the break. Use Dan James's speed, yet you can also go direct with a, a goalkeeping kick to Kiefer Moore, and you've got both of those options on the table and so I think it would be important if you were taking Vokes or Deutsch is who do you think can deliver in that role best Um, and and I think that's difficult because I actually think that we may get a little bit blinkered into seeing Deutsch as a plus point because of the goals he's scoring, but does it does he actually naturally fit in as a a replacement for Kiefer Moore if that was what was necessary? I, I know what you're saying, and and I've and I've I've tried to kind of in in looking at this, tried to do some prep and see some of his goals, and I have seen a couple of his goals, and they don't necessarily use him just as a hold up man. He he is in that role a little bit, but he also kind of 
plays off the striker a little bit and then tries to get himself in the box um, as quick as he uh, play off the striker, play off the defender a little bit and try and get himself in the box, kind of on the half turn, if you like. So I do think he has the ability to be the hold-up man. And I would also argue that he has the ability to be the hold-up man at the moment to as good a level of Sam Vokes. And Mm -hmm. he has the additional threat of the fact that he can score goals. So for me, that does make the argument different because not only can he kind of contribute in that sense, he can also score goals as well. Yeah, I mean, in some respects, this is a little kind of, you know, it's eerie thinking because I think it all hinges on who is involved in March. And what I don't want, and what, and I'm in a bit of a quandary for the March friendlies because I want the likes of Kiefer Moore and Joe Morrell to get some decent game time within the system because they're such new yet key parts of how we play. But equally, I want to see the likes of Christian Doige have an opportunity to show what he can do in a red shirt as well. So I'm I'm a little bit torn between how to use the March friendlies, I will be honest. It's an interesting one, that, because I think it's also worth bearing in mind, I think we will have more friendlies at the start of June, end of May, um, where I think we can do what you've said there, which is the kind of embed the system type situation. Um, sorry, Christian Atsu has just blazed one over from inside the box. And I mean, <laughs> I, I, that ball may have actually gone over the moon. It was so high. Um, Cardiff and Reading are going to penalties. If Newcastle go to penalties, we're going to have to pause this. This is stressful. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's worth pointing out that in June we are going to have one, maybe even two more kind of build-up games. And for me, that is when you kind of implement the role that we're going to play play in the Euros. And by that, I mean play more. And if you want to swap around Morel, for example, who's kind of new to it, then that's when you do that. I think the point of these friendlies now has got to be to try new people out because mm-hmm. otherwise there isn't a chance. There isn't a, a, another chance, sorry. And from that, I think that's where we kind of need to, to make our decisions. We have gone on a lot about Deutsch and I do just want to add one more stat into the realm mm-hmm. uh, in doing this. Deutsch this season and last season has scored more goals in the league, in, sorry, in all competitions on his own than Hal, Vokes, Bradshaw and Tyler Roberts combined last season and this season so far. He's also scored more goals than Gareth Bale has in the last two seasons combined for Bale in this season so far for Deutsch. And also, Bale scored 10 combined in La Liga this season and last. Deutsch also scored 15 goals, admittedly, at Forest Green Rovers. (laughs) But... I do think it's worth making the point that I can't remember, and I mean since we're talking strikers we knew were strikers, like, uh, I don't know, Hughes, Rush, Hearts and Bellamy's, etc., where we have had, and I'm sure someone can correct me, where we have had a striker scoring this many goals in this space of time. So I, I do totally take your point and I do think that it is also a point worth making that I can't remember we've had the last time we had a player who was doing this and I think that really should be taken into account just quickly before we move on to the game changer person does this mean Mm -hmm. as things stand you take Vokes as your key for more replacement Today, I would take Vokes. If Deutsch gets some time in March and can show in our system that he can contribute, then I would. I think my leaning would switch then. I think 
I would it would be naive to just say Doidge is doing well. Look at these stats. Get on the plane. So I think yeah, technically I agree with you. I'm sure we can. I'm, we are going to do a fun, kind of full squad rundown closer to the time, and I'm sure that will our, our opinion will be reinformed if hopefully Doidge does get that game time. Um, but I think as things stand today, I would probably agree with you. Um, but in terms of longer term. I would say I'd be fairly confident that they can have an involvement in March and it'd be a productive one in our system. Um, and from there on in, if that proves to be the case, then obviously I think I would go for Doidge as my as my person based yeah, on I current think, form. I think the important thing is if you're bringing him in for that is you've got to give him a decent amount of time. You can't just have him on for like 20 minutes with almost a B team What's just happened? Oh, Sean, uh, Matty Longstaff has just curled one just over the bar. <laughs> Lovely strike. Oh, it's actually not as close as I thought on the first angle. Um, but it was lovely. Anyway, sorry. Will Vokes just missed a penalty for Cardiff. Oh, God. So, what, <laughs> oh, God, there's a lot going on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, that's Vokes. He's off the plane. He's not going... <laughs> Book your holidays, pal. You're not coming with us. Um, so in that case, we need a game change in centre-forward. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the options we're kind of choosing from Roberts, Bradshaw, Hal, um, and I'm open to further suggestions. Um, but of those three or anyone else, uh, anyone else sorry, you want to say, What's what's your choice? No, actually, I would be looking at those three as well. Um, it's a, it's actually a really difficult one because there's a bit more variety in what the three have to offer, isn't there? And so, really, it's what are you what are you looking for? I think Bradshaw might be the most different of the three. Um, he is more of a kind of ball holding striker um i'm i i actually find this one really difficult because i'm i'm not sure i can picture any of them immediately kind of slotting in with the with the scenario that we've been playing in the last few games um Hal might be the most adaptable in his play. Bradshaw, I think, has the most variety to offer. Um, Roberts might be worth having because of the versatility he, you know, in, in terms of being a member of the squad, might be the one to take because of the versatility he can offer. So I, I can see pluses in each of them. I think right now... I would probably plump for Bradshaw because I think Deutsch, Vokes, Moore are so alike potentially that I think you might get the most out of having something that's quite different. It's an interesting one there that you talking about Tyler Roberts, for example. You said his versatility is the reason that makes a, a case for him. I would actually say that his versatility, in my opinion, is the reason that I wouldn't take him. Mm-hmm. We don't need a 10. Obviously, we've got Ramsey, and if he's injured, then, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to pick one, but you could arguably play any combination of Johnny, Bale, uh, uh, Wilson, Brooks, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether he would go down the road, and I hope he doesn't, but, I mean, you uh, arguably Lawrence could even play there. I think he's played there before. And I would have... Tyler Roberts behind almost all of them on that list. I don't. I don't disagree with you, Dave. I. I don't think I would choose to have him as, as, as a kind of depth number ten, either. It's just if you're looking at that alternative striker, if he's on the list, then an advantage of him might be the fact that he's he can play more than just a striker. Is that enough of an advantage within the re- constrictions and restraints of a constraints of a, a 23-man squad? I mean, I, I, I take your point. I mean, the flip side for me is he's never scored for Wales. He's had a, you know, mm-hmm. he's had a couple of opportunities in the team. Um, he scored one goal this season. 
he's not played a huge amount for for Leeds. Mm-hmm. To me, he's 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 the bottom of the pile for me. I would I would agree with that. He's third on that list for me too. And I would also add as well that just because he is a promising young player, it doesn't mean we have to take him now. I, I think like I think there is certainly an argument for taking him now for you know for experience or whatever. But we should be taking the best squad for us like now today, not someone who could be promising in the future or could you know play a role that someone else could fill or could fill in for someone else or whatever. Um, we need someone who's going to come in and have a positive impact now. And if Tyler Roberts wants to be the man who can do that for the qualifiers for 2022 World Cup, or even if we go to Qatar, then cool. But just because we've got a young promising player, it doesn't mean that we kind of have to do something with him right now. And I, and I say that because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter asking the question about him. Uh, you know, I would also argue there's a possibility that putting him in too soon could have a kind of a negative effect. You know, you look at Wilson, for argument's sake, kind of we blooded him for Wales and he kind of got lost. And I'm not blaming Wales or um, the system or anything like that, but that did happen that he got blooded for us early, got lost for, I think, maybe even three years before he started to come back. And you could even argue that a similar thing is perhaps happening with Woodburn. Mm-hmm. in that, you know, we've got a young, exciting player and everyone's like, oh my God, this kid's going to change the world and we need to get him yeah. in as soon as possible. And actually, it doesn't need to be that way, yeah. be it just now or, you know, at any point. I think we have got such a strong squad for the first time in probably your or my lifetime that I, I don't think we need to be forcing the issue. I think we need to be mm-hmm. taking the the best players. Um, you talked about Bradshaw there. He's He's obviously someone who can offer us something different. I would also point out that since he scored against Cardiff at the end of October, he's only scored twice more. And he has played every, it played, even if it's just one minute, he has played a role in every single championship game for Millwall since then. So if he's going to be the man who's kind of coming in and changing the game for us, I would want someone who scored more goals in the last three months, really, than than he has now, which I appreciate is fairly harsh. But uh, for me, I, you know, as, you know, the poacher type person we need, I think is, he's probably the best candidate for that. He's just, he, mm-hmm. he's a finisher. But if he's not in a form enough to be the finisher for Millwall, then I, I would struggle to see what he can do for us. And I know I've banged on about it, but I, I think for me, then through a process of elimination, that leaves super Hal. Um, who for me, I would take for his experience, um, for his obvious ability, um, and the fact that he, oh, how have you messed that up? Um, and the fact that he, um, and the fact that he has been there and done it. Um, I'm going to ask you a kind of follow-up question to my little mm-hmm. monologue there. Do you, how far do you buy into the, it would upset the other players in the squad argument and the fact that he's not contributed to qualifying etc 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 how does that where do you sit on that debate i well you could make the case for robson carno and bradshaw in that sense couldn't you and, Deutsch. and i think and Deutsch, yes i think at this point i'm becoming less concerned about that than i was i think initially i saw that as more of an issue and then it might, I think it might have been your blog you made the point that you know England are trying to oh, I know he's injured now but England are try, trying to sweet talk Vardy for example they've got no qualms about just trying to get the most informed players into their team um, I think what really got me thinking was when you said you know had, if Aaron Ramsey had missed both of no November's games um obviously you know we've qualified anyway he's missed both of those games we wouldn't be having a discussion that he hadn't contributed to the qualifiers he, he's going on that plane you know exactly because he's um, our best one of our best players yeah exactly so I think the criteria has to be the right 23 I don't think it's it's always necessarily just a matter of the best players are the right 23 I, you know you you need people for purposes you need you need people 
as alternatives. You need people that can play to your game plan. But all that as a given, I don't think there should be a criteria of when was your most recent cap. I agree. I agree. And, I, you know, everyone loved Hal in the Euros and there, there, there is a, a core of that squad that is the same squad from the Euros. So I, just, I can't see him being a, a disruptive influence on the squad. Um, I mean, the argument that you could make is how, you know, what has his goal scoring contribution been of late? And, you know, he, he's not been kind of in the goals every week sort of thing. He no. has scored, you yeah, know, he has scored seven goals this season, which in a season where he has played, if I just refer to my previous notes very subtly here, um, in a season where he has played, oh, I haven't done it, but in a season where he's played a solid amount of games. Uh, <laughs> I think my, my notes are he's played 25 and scored nine, and, but that would be across all of the competitions. Yeah. Oh, get in! Get in, Alan. Get in, you absolute superstar, buddy! What a hit! What a goal! Super Alan! Have you, have you managed to score against Oxford? Oh, bloody good team, Oxford. Always rated them. Always rated them. Bloody good team. And it is an absolute, uh, absolute worldie from Super Alan St. Maximin. Absolute worldie. What a boy! What a boy! Anyway, <laughs> fuck it. We're gonna win the world. We're gonna win the FA Cup. We're gonna win the FA Cup, man. You might have trouble winning the World Cup, dear. <laughs> hey, you never know with Super Allen. Oh, what a hit that is! I tell you what, ladies and gents, you go home tonight, and if you haven't, whenever you're listening to this, watch the highlights uh, of Alan Samaxman scoring that winning goal against Oxford because it is an absolute beauty. Oh. I love the way you say. I love you say. You say winning when the when the game's not over yet. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> this is Newcastle. We're going to lose this four three, aren't we? Oh, God. Anyway, Euros. Where were we? Um, the Hal argument. Sorry. Yes, I think my concern. Actually, I suppose in some respects, it's my concern with both of them. Is is just how hot and cold Robson Carno or Bradshaw might be right now. And I think it's another situation where you've just got to give each of them some decent time in March and see what they can offer within our framework. My concern always is when you put a striker in, or anybody for that matter, but particularly when you put a striker in to these sorts of scenarios in friendlies, but then you you ask them to produce with all but a B team behind them. Um, and that's just not fair. Uh, that's so a very I think good point. We have to be careful about ensuring that if these are um, auditions, that people are given an equal crack at it with with a, appropriate backup, as it were. No, I think that's a very, very fair point. Um, the alternative argument to all of this is rather than haggling about who is going to be the fourth striker if we need a change of of pace could you therefore as a consequence not be making an argument to say that we would be better off just taking two other strikers with bail taking an extra winger and if the game needs changing put bail up front and take a matondo or someone like that who's inconsistent but also has got the pace and and whatever else to kind of impact a game in a positive way I can see the argument, but it hasn't worked really, has it, when we've put Bale in that position. It's not as though we've had some success. Um, I mean, just to interrupt you there, you're right, but I will say I don't think he's ever been played up front with someone. So, for example, yeah. for example, if he was going to play up front as a, as a game changer, rather than have Kiefer Moore up front on his own, have more up front yeah. with Bale, have two wide players with, there. I see what you mean. Have, so... Play him as second striker, effectively. Yeah, basically. And, yeah, and then... no, no, I can, I can, I can see that. Yeah, and you, you know, you lose your, you lose somebody from the holding midfield, maybe if you're pushing on with a game and put someone else on right wing. I, I can see that, but if I'm not, I don't think it's the scenario I would want to go down right now because I think Bradshaw and Robson Khan, who have something to offer 
if you're looking at how they're playing at the moment. If their form like falls away as quickly as it's re-emerged and we're looking around thinking, ooh, there isn't really anybody that's in form here, is there? Then the scenario you, you just described with Bale perhaps playing a touch off Kiefer Moore might, might be an option to, to stir a game up a bit. I think, I personally think that that's what Giggs will do myself as I think he will take more a more replacement and bail and, and take an extra winger. I, I think that's how we, because mm-hmm. I think a long term anyway, I think that is how Giggs would like to play is with, you know, is not necessarily with a, with a hold up man up front to all intents and purposes. I do think that is not his goal long term. So I, I can see mm-hmm. that um, kind of, kind of happening, but it's, it's a very no, interesting I agree. thing. I think, sorry, Dave, I think we've ended up, with what we now think of as our formation with Keeper Moore up front because Giggs had to let go of playing a team that was effectively all wingers and no real forward. Yeah. Um, Because Bale on his own wasn't working. And I don't disagree with you. I think that's what he would, a scenario he would like to see and a scenario he'd like to move us back to. But I think right now... Right now, the uh, sorry, Dave is celebrating. Newcastle have just finally managed to see off Oxford in how many? One hundred and fifty minutes of no, oh, no. two hundred and thirty minutes of play. <laughs> Bloody good team, Oxford. No, I still haven't got my maths right. Two hundred and ten minutes of play. There we go. <laughs> um, so, I think. Down the line, I think you're right. I think that's what he pictures our team being. I think, ironically, he kind of had a the way more played in that in that friendly against Belarus. It was like, well, actually, if I I gigs don't go down this route now with him having that kind of level of performance, I'm even going to get slapped up even more if we don't qualify. So yeah. let's be pragmatic and go with it. No, I agree. And I think that in hindsight, that Albania thing, I don't want to go too far down this road now, but that Albania thing was probably the wake-up call that yeah. rec- he recognised we needed to kind of move things around and, and, and things needed to change. Yeah. Um, a couple more things to move along. I just will add, sorry, last thing. A lot of that was based on the Gawar in France uh, lads on Twitter who asked the question, with the romanticism attached uh, with Hal robson Carnu's pass with Wales, will that kind of overuse yeah. the thinking to take in an informed Deutsch to the Euros? If we take Deutsch, will his style fit the new gigs approach? I think we have kind of answered that question, but I think we, you and I are looking at this as we will take Deutsch or Vokes rather than Deutsch or Hal. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's our thinking. But I do think, I do think, in fairness to Giggs, one of his strengths has not been being sentimental about players, um, but perhaps to the point where he's been a little too ruthless and a little too much bravado with the youngsters. But he, you can't accuse him of sticking with people out of sentimentality. So I don't think Hal would be included for that reason. And I do think Hal would argue, would argue himself as well. He probably thought he had a good chance of getting called up in the last squad, the amount of stuff he was liking on Twitter <laughs> and, and everything else. So he obviously <laughs> thought he had a shout there. So I, I agree. It just shows that Giggs is not, you know, is not stuck to sentimentality and will <laughs> just choose the, the right squad. Um, to move on, just to kind of talk about two transfers... We mentioned Owen Vaughan Williams mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, James Chester's gone to Stoke and Matt Smith has gone to Charlton. Yep. We did a lot on Matt Smith yes. on the last one, talking about style of play and everything else. Charlton do play a, a, a different style to QPR. In the, they are more kind of possession-based and he will probably get more time on the ball there. I still mm-hmm. don't think it kind of changes the fact that physically he needs to change. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's the good move rather than just sitting at QPR, which is what it was looking like he'd be doing for the second half of the season. I think he's definitely got more opportunity at Charlton to show what he can do and make a case for having a place in the squad. But I think it might be a little too late for him 
to really make a case at the minute. Yeah, I agree. I'd be very, very surprised if he went. Um, I also just would think it's worth pointing out that Lee Bowyer is... Um, possibly secretly Welsh, um, given we had, I've, I've started this, I've forgotten who it is, it's Lockyer, Adam Matthews, Johnny Williams, Joe Ledley was there, um, and now, of course, Matt Smith is there. So maybe, you know, Lee Bowyer to be a, a Wales manager of the future, given his affiliation, <laughs> given his affiliation with the players. Um, James Chester to Stoke, what do you make of that one? I think that's interesting. We were, we were chatting, was it the last pod? Um, about the fact that we we could, didn't really quite understand what was happening at Villa because he seemed to be fit enough to play in some games, like he was in the the um, uh, League Cup win over Liverpool, wasn't he? And he played the full ninety minutes then, and yet had barely played otherwise. So it it all just seemed a little um, contradictory that. He, he couldn't really appear to still be carrying some sort of injury if they were happy to play him 90 minutes in some games and yet he wasn't breaking into the team with any regularity. So I actually think that's a, it's a, a good move, uh, a good move for him, an opportunity to, to get some game time in, regardless of what it might, may mean for putting pressure on a, a place in our squad or not. I think it's, I think it's important for him to be playing now. He's had such a bad run of luck with injuries. Um, I think a, a player of, of his age, you, you just want to be on the field as much as, as much as you can. So, you know, just wish him well with that. And, you know, well, uh, several of our central defenders are, are carrying injuries. If he, if he plays well at Stoke and, and demonstrates, you know, an ability to, play 90 minutes regularly, week in, week out. Um, I think he would start to make a case when we've, when we've got some questions about the, the knocks and the injuries that, that particularly Mepham and, and Roden have, have, are carrying. I think you're right. I, I think the only thing I would say is that I think he is going to struggle to break through should realistically either one of Mepham or Rodden be fit enough. Because if Mepham or Rodden are fit enough, then either way, let's say Mepham doesn't make it, you're still taking Rodden, Lockyer. Realistically, I would say Ash would be the third centre-half. Um, and then I guess maybe there is a case for the for him to be the fourth one there, I suppose. Because mm. um, James Lawrence isn't playing all the time at San Paoli now. He's he's in and out of the squad there too. Yeah, I think the ship has sailed for him t- to be honest. It, yeah. it, he wasn't involved in yeah. the last in the last things either. And obviously then there's the possibility uh, of Ben Cabango. Um I I personally from what I've seen don't think he's ready yet, but I'm I'd be more than happy to be proved wrong on that. I uh, there's also the thing that Ampadu can come back, Ben Davis can come in and play out uh, center back. And that's why, I, again, like I said, I'd, t- I'd take Nico Williams. But again, that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, I, I do think, my point is that I do think he would have to go some way at this point to to be involved. But he did say when he moved, there was a wrench to leave Villa because he loved it there. But this was done with the Euros in mind to see if he could play enough to get himself in the squad. So, you know, if I'd be more than happy to prove wrong. If he plays every week and starts playing well, then I'd definitely want him... Uh, you know, on on the flight. Um, one more thing for that. Talking about a recover recovery from injury, um, it's good to see Tash Hardin back playing a little bit more football. Sophie Ingle is banging them in left, right, and centre. She's got a, <laughs> she's got again in, on the weekend as West Ham. Uh, sorry, as Chelsea beat West Ham. I think it was eight nil final score. Um, she's, making, she's making a case for, for being further up the field. I know she? exactly. Well, you know, we were t- we were talking to Tash before about uh, about who's going to score the goals, and maybe we have to stick Sophie Ingle up front now. Um, I've seen lots of videos on Instagram and stuff like that of of Jess Fishlock really stepping up her intensity mm-hmm. in terms of her coming back from injury, doing um, a lot more active work. I don't. She's obviously not kind of going to be match fit anytime in the immediate future. But she, of course, is recovering from an ACL injury, which unfortunately is what has happened to Elise Hughes this weekend who tore her ACL. Um, 
a big, big shame for her, considering Jess obviously isn't playing as well. A, a massive shame for Wales, and it does kind of ring a slight alarm bell. That I, you know, I don't know if we're getting one or two too many injuries for us to be able to cope with with a relatively small small squad in one hit. Yeah, I mean that has that has to be a worry, doesn't it? The because those once we get through the the spring friendly, uh, the Estonia friendly, then it's a quick run of qualifying games through through the summer, isn't it? Uh, so we haven't got many months where um, where the ladies can can get back to playing for their clubs and 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 still have an impact for us internationally. Uh, so it's undoubtedly a, a worry, but as you said, we're um, it, it's it feels like a bit of a revolving door, isn't it? You know, Tash and Sofa coming back. Jess is on her way back. Um, but then Elise is, is obviously going to be out for several months at the very least. So it does feel a little bit like a revolving door of people coming in and out of the squad at the minute. No, I agree. And I, I think the one thing that kind of, I mean, I'm sure Elise Hughes won't take any any pleasure in it, but the the one thing that does make it feel a bit better is that given the time ahead of the next qualifier, basically two months, that there's a good chance that Jess could be in and around the squad in that time. Whether she'd be fit enough to start or whatever else is obviously a different question, but there's a good chance she might be in and around that. So that would obviously be a massive, massive plus for Wales, as as much of a shame as it would be to lose Elise Hughes. Um, obviously, so this is a seamless link here. Obviously, one of her potential replacements in a starting lineup would be Helen Ward, Wales' mm-hmm. all time leading scorer for men and women. And just as luck would have it, um, <laughs> Helen has agreed to come and appear on our podcast so we will be doing a review a preview sorry of the Estonia friendly and just talking about the the qualifying campaign so far we'll be doing that with her in the next couple of weeks so the next pod we release which will be probably close to the end of Feb uh, will be a review of the the women's campaign so far and a, and a preview of what's to come including that Estonia friendly so thank you to Helen for joining us and Please do keep an eye out for that as we as we go forward. Um, I think Ruth, I am mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty much done. I think we've managed to keep this to almost under an hour. Oh, one of six. <laughs> and if we if we if we edit your uh, <laughs> your celebrations or your, no, actually your trials and tribulations. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to edit those Newcastle. out. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to edit those out. To be honest, I think. As a listener, I'm sure our listeners would be delighted to hear me shout and swear and rant and moan about uh, <laughs> about Alan St. Maximan. Um, so I think it is probably best we leave that there. I go home for my tea. Um, okay. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know whether we've answered our own question if we were taken to the Euros anymore as a striker. <laughs> um, but we have talked about a lot of other stuff and we've given you a blow-by-blow account of how fairly harrowing it is to watch a football match with me. Um, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll be back very soon with our podcast with Wales's all-time leading goal scorer, Helen Ward. Thank you for listening. Good night. Bye-bye.